This morning is somewhat of a continuation from what God put on my heart last week. I believe that there are very important principles that God wants to get into our spirit and into our understanding. It's very important that we understand. In fact, when we were praying yesterday here in the church in the early morning prayer meeting, not that it's that early, and we start at uh, 9 o'clock, right? Yeah, it's not that early, but I guess on a Saturday morning it feels early. But while we were praying and we were praying for today's service, at one point I just felt like the Holy Spirit said that God wants to change our concepts. Sometimes a concept becomes a position of how we view the world or our world. A concept becomes a framework from which we live within and we see everything through that concept. And I believe that God wants to change concepts. It just started as I was praying yesterday in the prayer meeting. It just came out of my mouth. We were sitting in a circle and talking and praying and talking and praying. And suddenly out of my mouth I said, tomorrow God is going to be changing concepts. And so I want you to work with me today. I want you to give me amens when you can say amen. I want you to give me shouts of praise. I want you to be right there in the midst with me. I'm preaching, but you're part of this sermon. I want you to preach as hard as I preach. Are you with me? All right, fantastic. Last week, I preached about fulfilling your destiny. I said, every one of us has a destiny, and every destiny has a purpose. <laughs> What's to having a destiny if there's no purpose to that destiny? Every one of us has a destiny, and every destiny has a purpose. But we will only ever step into our destiny when we step into the purpose that God has for us. God has a purpose for our lives. He has a purpose for us as individuals, and that will vary as much as fingerprints vary from person to person. But God has a purpose for us as his church. Too often we see our salvation as a, a blessed moment in life where we get saved, and now God's going to just continue to travel with us as we do our thing, and we're going to pray that he blesses us until we get home. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be a reckoning force on the earth. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is way more than a Sunday morning gathering. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is not only an arm of salvation leading the lost to, to Christ. It is not only the sword of the Spirit that cuts off the chains of darkness off of people's lives and brings them deliverance and healing and a multitude of other wonderful God blessings. But I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is meant to have influence on the earth. Now we think of influence on the earth sometimes only in this 
in these parameters, and that is uh, we help the poor, we help the needy, we reach out to the unsaved, we heal the sick in Jesus' name by laying hands on them, we comfort and we counsel. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is meant to have influence over nations. When I say that, sometimes we think, hey, uh, yes, we can run for politics and we can have godly Christian men and women in politics. And yes, that's true too. Like, but like Emeril Lagasse, how many of you know who Emeril Lagasse is? Okay. He's a cook. He keeps saying, let's take it up a notch. And I think God wants to keep taking our understanding up a notch. How many of you can agree that God's picture is always going to be a lot bigger than our picture? So whatever our picture is, it, it can afford to be taken up a couple of notches. Can I get an agreement? In fact, I'm convinced that on this side of eternity, it'll be very difficult for us to ever see the fullness of everything that God sees. But that doesn't make me stop. That makes me want to keep pushing in to see all of the glory, all of the purpose, all of the destiny that God has for me and for you and for his church. Can I get agreement? No, not good enough. I said, can I get agreement? There you go. Why would Jesus say things like, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you? Now, I grew up in an Italian Pentecostal church, and I thank God for my roots, and much of it makes, found, it makes up the foundation of who I am. But like in every body of religious believers, sometimes we have teaching that is somewhat Faulty. And so, whenever I've read this verse in the past, and thank God he's given me a mind transformation over the last 20 years, the image that was always portrayed with this verse when I heard it preached was, the gates of hell will come crashing down on the church, but we'll stay standing, beat up, weather-worn, but we'll stay standing. And that's not what Jesus said at all. And I've preached that from this pulpit in the past. The gates of hell will not prevail because we become the assailants. We become the ones that are doing the hunting down and the chasing down. Jesus didn't say the church will be able to buffet all the windstorms that come from the kingdom of darkness. No, Jesus gave Peter and the disciples, in fact, he gave the church the keys to the kingdom. A key unlocks and a key locks. And Jesus paired that concept together with the fact that he then said, whatever you bind on earth, it'll be bound in the spirit realm. In other words, as you guys speak, in my authority, what you say on earth, I'm backing you. I have delegated my authority to you. And what you bind on earth, I'll make sure it gets bound in the realm of the spirit. And what you release on the earth, 
I will back my delegated authority in you and on you, and I will release it by my spirit on the earth. Too often we wear scriptures like this as a badge of honor rather than wearing it as in a sense of reality. We'd rather sing about the fact that the gates of hell can't prevail against us than actually step into the fight and shout, charge! And too often the church has got a position of defense. We take our stand rather than take our charge. Stay with me. Last week I read a scripture and uh, Revelations chapter 5, starting with verse 9 and verse 10. And I'm going to reread it and just quickly summarize what I shared last week and take you further today. In Revelations chapter 5, starting with uh, <clears throat> verse 8, sorry. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Now in the midst of my excitement as I was preaching, rapidly gunfire coming out of my mouth, last week I paired the word 24 elders and angels together. The 24 elders, the Bible doesn't tell us they are angels. They are a very distinct group of beings. When it comes to angels, we have seraphim and cherubim. They are different. They have different posting. We have guardian cherubim, which is a higher rank yet again. Exactly what and who and how these 24 elders, uh, who they are and what they do, we know from Scripture that they are constantly circling the throne of God. It goes on to say each one of these 24 elders had a harp, so they're worshipers. And they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. <laughs> Sometimes heaven is short on incense. Not because the manufacturing plant in heaven went on strike but because the church isn't doing what it's called to do. We're called to be prayers. We're called to be interceders. You see, I, I believe literally, I believe literally that in the spirit I have more power than I do as an American citizen who can cast a vote. See, as an American citizen, I have the right to cast a vote that represents my opinion. I only get to do it once, every election, okay? But it's one vote. And by all means, vote. But when I understand who I am as a son of God, when I understand that God has left me here because he has a mission, when I understand that the gates of hell and every demon behind those gates must bow. When I take my position in Jesus Christ, when I understand who I am, 
When I understand that I'm seated in heavenly places and it's not so that I could be on God's great Ferris wheel and have a touristic view across the earth. When I understand that I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, it means that the whole first heaven that is filled with demonic beings are under my feet as long as I stay centered in Jesus Christ. We have been given that position for a purpose. God never gives position without a purpose. It's like destiny. We have a destiny and every destiny has a purpose. We have position. We are positioned with Christ in heavens, in the heavens. Jesus is in the third heaven. Satan and his warlords rule in the first heaven. They influence the minds of people. They influence the direction of people's lives. We don't live under the canopy of the warlords of Satan. We have been taken up. While you sit in this church, you are first and foremost. This is your reality. To most of us, this is our reality. Where are you? I'm at Grace and Faith, 12749 West Hillsborough Avenue. That's where I am right now. Now I'm going to tell you there's a greater reality. In my mind, there's a greater reality. You see, when I walk the streets of earth, I am first and foremost sitting in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was pretty weak. That's okay. I'm going to change concepts. First and foremost, I live from the third heaven. I'm not just saved, waiting for my opportunity to go to heaven. I'm on a mission. No, no, not because I'm the pastor of this church. I don't care if I was a carpenter. I don't care if my profession was sales. I don't care if I was a fisherman by trade or a farmer. I'm not talking about me as the pastor of this church. I'm talking about you as a son of God. We have a mission. It's not just to get the saved lost. That's a great mission. Not to get the saved lost. Oh, that was backwards. It's not just to get the lost saved. Father, forgive me. I know some preachers are getting the saved lost. I'm not one of them. It's not just to get the lost saved. That is a high priority and a great honor. But even that, most of us don't live life like that's our mission. It is. But I have a mission. You have a mission. We have a purpose. And so in this scripture here, we see these 24 elders. They're not angels. They're something else. And they're constantly around the throne of God. I love the fact that Beth, who in the past has been an airline stewardess, she said to me when I preached this several weeks ago, Pastor, do you know why there are 24 elders holding bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints? Now, think of that. You got 24 unique individuals 
who are dedicated to being around the throne of God, to worship God, and they are dedicated to listening to our prayers and capturing them. Not just 24 angels, 24 elders, a very unique class of beings. And Beth said, the reason why there's 24, I thought this was awesome. She said, because as a stewardess traveling around the world, I've learned there are 24 time zones around the world. From the rising of the sun to the setting down of the same. The Lord's name will be praised. So there is an elder who has a watch for every time zone around the earth to capture the prayers and the intercessions of the saints. And God says those prayers, whether they're cries for help or whether they're declarations speaking things into being, God says that they are incense in his nose. I don't want heaven to be lacking incense on my account. And if God has called me to be the shepherd and the overseer of this church, I don't want heaven to be lacking incense on account of this church. We have a purpose and part of that purpose is to fill heaven with an aroma of God-led and god based prayers and intercession. Now, is that all? No. I'm going to break this down even more. I said last week that they hold these bowls of incense which are the prayers of God's people and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy, they're singing of the Lamb, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. I've been purchased. God owns the title deed of me. He owns the title deed of you. Two things that means. Again, it reaffirms Satan isn't your owner. He's not your boss. He doesn't dictate to you. Tell him to go back to hell where he came from. Rebuke him in Jesus' name. Don't ever be arrogant and think that as a mortal, as a human being, you're going to rip him apart. No, no, don't be arrogant. The Bible says even Michael. Only two angels are ever named in Scripture. Michael and Gabriel. In the New Age world, we got a gazillion different names for angels. God saw fit to only name two angels. Don't get so hung up on angels that you get caught up in new age philosophy. You hear me? God only bothered giving the name of two angels. It says that Michael, when he wrestled Satan for the body of Moses, dare not bring slanderous accusation against Satan. In other words, even in Michael's attitude, as he is doing warfare with Satan, He's conscious of not being belligerent or boastful in and of himself. And James, uh, James goes on to say, I think it's James, uh, or Jude goes on to say, but he said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Our victory and our fight is always in Christ Jesus. 
Can I get an amen? Praise God. He goes on to say, verse 10, you have made them to be. This is purpose. I said this last week. This is purpose. You have a purpose. God has made you for a purpose. God has saved you for a purpose. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Now we get hung up on religious phrases, and we get, you know, goosebumps on our goosebumps, and we get all excited, but in the morning when the euphoria is gone, we don't really understand what we were excited about. I love getting you excited, but I want you to wake up in the morning and know why you're excited. So that if four days later you wake up and you're not excited, you go back to what you understand and who you are, and you can get excited again. Praise God. You have given them purpose, and their purpose is to be a kingdom, a collection of people in the, in the midst of which God rules. You are a kingdom. Even by yourself, collectively, together, we are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a physical space on earth. The kingdom of God is in you. I represent the kingdom of God. Everywhere I go, I bring the kingdom of God. I want you to understand, you are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God lives in you. You are a kingdom. According to this verse, you are a kingdom. You are a realm where Jesus Christ is Lord and he rules supreme. You are a kingdom. When we looked at the Greek behind that word, it infers that not only are you a kingdom, you are royalty. You are kingly. That's why some translations translate this verse, he has called you to be kings and priests. Some translations translate, Translated as, you have been called to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. But the word kingdom does mean a realm, a sphere, like a nation, a place of influence where Jesus Christ is Lord. And we understand the kingdom of God is in us. Everybody, repeat after me. Are you ready? I want you to repeat. I know you don't know what I'm going to say. Do you have confidence in me? Do you trust your pastor? I want you to say boldly from the very first syllable, wherever I go, the kingdom of Jesus Christ goes. The lordship, the authority, and the supernatural power of God goes wherever I go. Because the kingdom of God lives in me. He's called us the church. By the church, I mean everyone who is born again. He has called us to be a representation of his kingdom. He has broken down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. He's still working in some people's heads, I'm breaking down the dividing wall between color. 
I'll let it sink in. <laughs> Ethnicity, culture. The blood of Jesus breaks down everything that would separate us because the, the problem with prejudice is that it brings division. And the problem with division is that it's chaos. And the problem with chaos is where demons rule. In the Psalms, David writes, how beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Because when brethren dwell together in unity, that's the place where God will command the blessing. Unity isn't when we all talk the same, or look the same, or act the same. Unity is when we have difference of opinion, but nothing will come between us. And that should be the picture of the church of Jesus Christ. We could become divided on political issues. We need to stay united on the issues that matter the most, the issues that make us powerful in the realm of the Spirit. We've had more than 2,000 years of politics, and it hasn't changed the world. What we need is 2,000 years of the church waking up and understanding who she is and taking her kingly position and start speaking into the earth. Can I get an agreement? It says you have made them to be a kingdom, a collaboration, a God center of priests to serve God and they will reign on the earth. And that word reign means to have influence as kings. When we looked at the Greek, it literally meant to rule as a king. What did the Holy Spirit inspire John to write this so that we'd have something cool to put in a song so we could sing it? Or did he inspire John to write this? Because this is meant to be our reality. You see, we go to church. We're still trying to get the concept that we are the church. We go to church and we're waiting to go to heaven. God says, no, you are the church and I'm waiting for you to be the church so that the earth can change. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, this is what Peter says. So that we just read from John. We read the language that John used, the verbology that John used. Now we're going to read the language that Peter uses. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Stop. You see, here's the problem. Most of us don't know Greek. I, I, I regret the fact that I don't know Hebrew and I don't know Greek. But I have a dictionary that takes me back to every English word and tells me what it was in the New Testament in the Greek. And if I'm reading in the Old Testament, it'll tell me what it is in the Hebrew. And we lose so much in translation. 
You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I'm a royal priesthood. Do you know, do you know what that means in the Greek? Let's put it up. The word royal is basilios. That's like kingdom. Basilia is kingdom. Basilios. You are a body of kings. You have royalty. Everybody stand up. Because I'm not preaching a sermon. I'm imparting concepts. And I want you to get this. So I want you to look square in the eye of somebody next to you. Anybody. And with a serious face, I want you to repeat after me. I am a king. God made me a king. I submit to Jesus Christ, who is king of kings. But I am one of his kings, living on earth and ruling on earth. Now, look at somebody else. And repeat after me. Find someone. Okay? I am a priest. I have been made a priest by God. Pastor Rob isn't the only priest. I am a priest. And I intercede. And I stand in the heavens. And I have power. As a priest of God. All right, now take your seat. You see, <clears throat> we are a kingdom that is a collection. See, we, we think of ourselves more as citizens of the United States of America. And we fly our flag, please, no disrespect to our flag or to the United States of America. I love this country. I am an American. But in my mind and in my understanding, long before I'm an American, <laughs> I'm a citizen of heaven. We don't need aircraft carriers in heaven. We don't need nuclear missiles in heaven. You know why they don't exist in heaven? Don't tell me because there's no war. There is war in the heavens between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. You know why we don't have aircraft carriers and nuclear weapons? Because Christ in us is all the aircraft carrier you will ever be, need and all the nuclear weapon you will ever need. When I walk around, the armory of God is walking around. When you walk around, the armory of God is walking around. Do you think the kingdom of God exists within you without an armory, without power, without supernatural purpose and intent? The kingdom of God is within us. And it's meant to rule and come out of us. <sighs> I tried putting my glasses on upside down. <laughs> I need glasses to be able to see how to put my glasses on. 
You are a royal priesthood. So you are a priesthood, but you're a kingly priesthood. We don't often get this concept, but we need to have this concept. We're, we're too busy making a living here and waiting for our great escape. But while you're making a living here, God's really wanting us to make a destiny and a memorial here. I want my footprints to be left behind on the earth. You see, I want you to understand something. I'm not just the pastor of this church. I've been called, you've been called, to have influence over nations, and I'm going to prove it to you from the Word of God. If we're the salt of the earth, we're meant to preserve it. Right now, the powers of darkness are agitating what could be World War III. If you are a student of history, and if you've studied World War II, you would see that almost identical, the strategies that were employed leading up to World War II are being employed right now and could potentially lead to a World War III. The Bible in Revelation talks about the dragon rising up out of the sea. Before Hitler went on his scourge, Japan was invading the China Sea and taking dominion over waterways and then taking dominion over the other islands, Asian islands. And one by one, she was in attacking and invading. That's exactly what's happening today with China. And while Germany was pulling a lot of fast ones and everybody back then, they were building up their armory. Today, both Russia and China are building up their armory. Russia's doing what China's doing in the Baltic Sea. She's claiming waterways that are not hers, and she is infringing on other neighboring nations and making boasts. And I'm not talking about the people of Russia, and I'm not talking about the people of China. I'm talking about the principalities, those ancient demons who rule over nations. They're stretching their arms. They're vocalizing. They're agitating. In World War II, 85 million people died directly or indirectly as a result of the war. Three weeks ago, before I left to uh, go to a church conference and see my son in San Diego, Pastor Jan and I, independently of each other, were in the same prayer meeting on a Saturday morning, and both of us started weeping in intercession for nations, and both of us felt like God told us to start praying for the nations. She starts reading Psalm 2, Cry unto me for the nations of the earth, and I will make them your inheritance. And I'm thinking, okay, she heard what I was praying. That's great. So afterwards, I said, what's on your heart, Pastor Jan? And she said, I just feel God's telling me to pray for the nations. I said, well, you read Psalm 2 because you heard what I was praying. She said, what? I didn't hear what you were praying. If I was a man in the flesh, I'd say, oh, yes, you did. 
but I've been around the Spirit for too long. And, and I know that at times God will preach a thing through me and then people say, oh, I heard on the radio, I heard on the TV, preacher so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, evangelist so-and-so said exactly the same thing. And in, in the early days, I used to be embarrassed because I'd think, you know, people are going to think I just heard their message and I preached it. Now I know better. Besides, now I usually preach it before they do. They're all zoned in on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm being playful. But those principalities are stirring up. You see, just like we don't know the time or the hour, Satan doesn't know the time or the hour either. And so he's constantly pushing his hand. He doesn't know when Armageddon will be. He doesn't know when Jesus Christ is coming. So he's constantly pushing his hand. So why do I say all this? To put fear in your heart? No. All you have to do is read the news or watch the news and you'll have fear in your heart. I'm preaching this to put faith in your heart and to show you what your purpose is. You see, I don't believe that we understand how much influence we really have in the spirit world. In the natural world, I get one vote in one nation. In the spirit world, I speak over nations. Again, when I say I, I'm speaking me as a born-again son of God, not as the pastor of Grace and Faith Church. So please don't segregate me and say, well, that's for Pastor Rob. No, I say I as we collective the sons and the daughters of God. Can I get an agreement? Amen. It says that uh, he has made us a body, a royal body of kings, and we are priests. You see, kings have authority. In the Greek, Jesus gave his disciples it's often translated as power. I have given you power to cast out demons. In the Greek, it says exousia. Exousia is governmental authority, the token of control, jurisdiction, the right to rule, the right to stop things, and the right to release things. Are you with me? Kings have authority. Priests have supernatural ability. And we have been called to be a collection, a realm of influence, a sphere of God's lordship, of kings who have authority and priests who have supernatural dunamis. Your voice in America counts, and every American should take their responsibility to vote. And every Christian American should take their responsibility to vote according to biblical principles. But every Christian has a higher purpose 
and a greater realm of influence, and it's in the influence and in the realm of prayer and intercession, we can affect the destination of nations. We can affect the affairs that happen. Too much of the church is just reading the news. We are meant to control the news by praying over the leaders of nation and having influence on them. And the apostle Paul said, pray for those in leadership above you. He didn't mean, you know, do some, God bless them. Type of prayer that comes out religiously without any conviction or fervency that we actually have the power in prayer to influence them. Why do we have power in prayer? Because there are 24 elders, a very unique group of people who stand around God's throne constantly and they're scooping up our prayers and bringing them straight to the Father. Don't ever let the devil lie to you and tell you God doesn't hear your prayers. He's nothing but a lying, stealing, thieving, conniving, worthless enemy. God has designated 24 elders Around the clock, each one has a guard over a particular time zone and they are scooping up the prayers of the saints and bringing them before God's mercy seat. I have dominion on earth because I have dominion in heaven. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. Do you understand? I sit, you sit, we sit on the same royal throne that Jesus sits in. You say, Pastor, that sounds like blasphemy. No, it's not. The Bible says he is the head and we are the body. The head isn't in one throne and the body in another throne. Jesus said, I am in you and you are in me. You can't separate us. Too often in our theology, we separate ourselves from who Christ is. The Apostle John says in one of his letters, as he is, so are we now on this earth. As he is, so are we now on this earth. How is God gonna rule in his kingdom unless he rules through us? The kingdom of God is in us. God will work on the earth as we a kingdom, a collection, a collaboration of priests come together and fill those bowls with incense and then God acts on behalf of spirit-led prayers of the saints. Now see, your amens have gone really quiet now. And I hope they haven't gone quiet because this means you have a responsibility. Listen, responsibility means you have the right to make a mark on the earth. Oh, I gotta do something. Heck yeah, because if you don't do something, there is a demon for every one of you willing to do something. Society is on the edge of a cliff. And unfortunately, sometimes I think the church is almost there too. 
We, the church, have been given the right to rule and to reign on life through Jesus Christ. We need to elevate our thinking so that our thinking matches our position in heavenly places. Now that deserved a way better amen than I got, so come on. Come on. We need to elevate our thinking to our position in heavenly places. The devil's got most of us convinced that we're beat up little schmucks walking around the earth waiting for God's great rescue plan. God wants the church to get the revelation that we are kings and priests and the kingdom of God exists in us and it will operate through us and there is a divine connection from my mouth to the mercy seat of God. Good preaching, Pastor Rom. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That word nation, it's, I didn't write it down, it's ethos. We get ethnicity from it. We are our own blend of culture and thinking. We act more as white America, black America, brown America. We act more as white, black, brown Italian, German, Asian. Listen, I am very happy to surrender my ethnicity for who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm very happy to surrender my genes that say I'm of Italian descent for the privilege and the honor of saying I am the ethnicity of heaven. I belong to a different culture group. I belong to a different mentality. I belong to a different heritage. I am not just a man. I am a son of man, son of God. I am royalty. I am kingly. And when I pray, it's not to beg. When I pray, it's to come into agreement with my Father and to speak over the earth the will of my Father because we have authority not only over demons but over principalities. Principalities have authority over earthly kings, but the sons of God have authority over principalities. We are our own ethnic group. And we need to take on the culture and the attitude of the kingdom of God. We are kingly priests. Listen, if this wasn't true, then the devil never had to weasel into church belief systems that the guy out the front is the only minister. You see, he understands you're called, your destiny, your purpose is to be a kingdom of God on earth and to be a kingly priest. 
And he is very fearful of you getting the revelation of what your destiny is and what your purpose is. And so he has put into the church a doctrine that comes from demons and we've labeled the pastor as the minister. You know, thank you. Thank you, Russ. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul makes it very clear. When Jesus ascended from the grave, he gave gifts to men. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists. Is that the whole body of Christ? No. But those ascension gifts, gifts that were given when he ascended, they're offices. And why did he give them? For the training up of the body to become ministers of God. You see, we see ourselves as Christians waiting to go to heaven. We never see ourselves as often as we should as citizens of heaven. If I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm on earth, you know what that makes me? It makes me an ambassador to a foreign land. How many of you see yourselves as ambassadors? Paul says we are therefore God's ambassadors as if he were reconciling the whole world to himself through us. You know why the church is on earth? Because God works through the church. So if I'm a citizen of heaven in my understanding, if that's a reality in my mind, and I'm living in a foreign land as a citizen of heaven, then I am a sent one to a foreign land. I am an ambassador. I am kingly. I am royal. I am a priest. I am a minister. Whether I'm in that pulpit or not, whether I'm in full-time ministry or not, You could be a broker, you could be a banker, you could be a husband, you could be a wife, you could be a farmer, you could be a salesperson, you could be a seamstress. There is royalty in you. Not just in you, it is on you. It is your calling to be a king on earth. Stop living like a dog and start living like a son of God. Stop living like a puppet. Stop confessing the devil this, the devil that, the devil got me and the devil made me. No, God made me and he made me to be the head and not the tail. Praise God. That's my introduction. We were called to be a kingdom of kings. That's sons of God. And a kingdom of priests, sons of God, to rule on the earth and to rule the earth. You have far more influence. You know, we we fight and get divided about who's going to be in the White House. And the enemy knows that if he could get us divided on politics, we'll never be united in intercession. So why don't we skip the thing that divides us and step into the thing that unites us because I, on the thing that divides us, I only get one vote and so do you. 
But on the thing that unites us, we don't get one vote. We have an eternal say-so. And we don't speak over one nation. We speak over the nations of the world. If the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, what is that? A little gold stamped button we're going to put on our lapel? Or does it mean that when the principalities of nations are starting to rage because they want a bloodbath, that the church of Jesus Christ actually has the power to get in intercession and to start uniting in prayer so that we head off the principalities of darkness? Too often the church is caught unawares. And so in Germany, most of the Christian churches came into agreement with Hitler and they believed that the Jewish people were the problem. And instead of the church getting together in intercession, they became divided from God's perspective and they came against the Jewish people together with Hitler. The church too often is influenced by principalities rather than being influenced by the prince of princes and the king of kings. I want to have a culture that comes from the word of God, not a culture that comes from CNN or Fox or any news station, you name it. We often abdicate our high position and give our crowns to earthly sinful men and we're convinced that if they get in, they're gonna change everything. And God's saying, if only my church would get in, I can change everything. I got a group over here that agrees with me. Ryan, do you agree with me? Stand up. I'm glad she stood up with you. Look at that. She, she's right behind her man. Good on you, Cassandra. Say, stay standing. Say, I agree with you, Pastor Rob. Thank you. You see, church, I, I've always said, I have strong political opinion. Thank you, Ryan. Unless you want to come up here and finish the sermon. We'll train you up to preach. I have strong political opinion, and I wish everybody would vote the way I vote. But if we talk politics, we'll be divided. But if I talk kingdom purpose, we'll be united. Satan knows God commands the blessing when we're in unity. And so he'll use a party spirit in politics to divide us. And that's why I keep calling this church to a higher goal. You have authority to influence nations. Why would you take your crown off and put all your hope in a human being? Pastor Nick, this is good preaching. 
I, I don't believe that the church of Jesus Christ walks enough in the revelation of who it is. And I don't think the church of Jesus Christ realizes how, how much power is inside of us. Yes, we have power to lay hands on the sick. Absolutely. And we've done that as a church. We've seen tremendous miracles here in that area. We've cast demons out. If you don't know, demons still inhabit people and we cast them out on a regular basis it happens behind the scenes but we do it yeah we have the power to do all that stuff but the church has never made the concept leap to the fact that we have intercessory rights to intercede and have a say so over nations listen to me if that weren't true then why are there 24 elders waiting 24 hours a day with bowls to capture your prayers. The mere fact that God has established that, he has established the purpose that you and I are meant to influence the earth. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And that means if the earth is rumbling and principalities are agitating and war is looming, we have influence. Or do you only think that you have enough authority and power to bind the demon that in the natural would need for you to have a band-aid on your boo-boo on your arm? I don't just have authority over a demon who could put a boo-boo on my arm that needs a band-aid. I have authority in the heaven, in the heavens. I say the heavens because even the first heaven, we have authority to bind and to rebuke. When we come together in the spirit, in the name of Jesus, not boastful, not arrogant, not thinking that in the flesh we're something to contend with demonic agents but understanding that the one who contends is Jesus Christ and he already won the victory and when we mask ourselves when we clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ and speak as he would speak we have authority and the very principalities over nations are subject to the to to the name of Jesus Christ spoken by the church amen, amen. absolutely look I'm running out of time, so I'll give you one last scripture, and this is a doozy. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. Keeping everything I've just said last week and this week in mind. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16, and I'm reading from um, <clears throat> the New King James Version. This is God speaking. And I have put my, notice my is capital M, God speaking. And I have put my words in your mouth. Everyone stop, look at me, don't read the verse. Look at me. When you read the word of God, what is some of the things that are symbolic of the word of God? Bread, thank you. Sword, double-edged sword, thank you. What else? What are some other symbols of the word of God? Seed? Didn't the sower go out and throw good seed? It's the preacher. He's sowing gospel. Is the word of God a seed that gets in our heart and it germinates? Is that correct? 
God says, I have put my words in your mouth and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. Stop. Very interesting. Jesus came preaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom of God is at hand. The realm of God's power. He has covered us with the realm of his power. I have put my words in your mouth and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand so I can plant the heavens. You know what you plant with? You plant with seed. God said, I put my seed in your mouth so that when you speak, you're spitting up petunias. You're spitting up miracles. You're speaking and declaring the power and the rule of God. You're changing the atmosphere. Most of us live from the realm of the flesh more than we do from the realm of the spirit. And so whatever atmosphere is out there affects us. And when it affects us, we, we sink. You and I are meant to affect atmosphere. I command the presence. You command the presence. If the kingdom of God is in you, don't you think there should be a whole ensemble of angels and warriors following you everywhere you go? I command the presence. You command the presence. You have not because you ask not, and you ask not because you believe not. See, everything comes back to what do you believe? I believe the word of God more than I believe my mother. I believe the word of God more than I believe anything my father told me. I believe the word of God more than what the news tells me. I believe the word of God more than what my natural senses want to tell me. See, the word of God is ultimate. It's absolute ultimate. I bring presence. I affect atmosphere. I'm not going to let atmosphere affect me. Don't let atmosphere affect you. Atmosphere can be filled with demonic spirit and demonic attitude and it wants to depress you and it wants to weigh you down and when the spirit of heaviness wants to come on you the bible says shout that thing off put on the garment of praise turn on your worship music and start to worship well i don't feel like it that's the problem you want to live by feelings so you are controlled by the atmospheres in the world the church is called to set the tone, the church is called to set the atmosphere. The church is called to bring the atmosphere of God to earth. Jesus said, when you pray, 24 elders are standing there with golden bowls ready to bring your request before the throne. When you pray, make the declaration, your kingdom is come, now let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are a collection, a collaboration, a realm, a sphere of influence. The kingdom of God is in you. You are royalty and you are priests and you are meant to put the word of God in your mouth and speak into the heavens so that God can change the landscape. Praise God. This Friday night, I'm calling every one of you to come out and pray. Those of you that are watching by live stream, 
If you're in the area, come. Bring your kids. Moms and dad, bring your kids. Why? Your kids need to see you weeping at the altar. My parents, from, from the minute I was two weeks old, they had me in church. I was at every prayer meeting. Don't tell me it doesn't have any influence. It had plenty of influence. I grew up in the house of God. For as dedicated as my parents were and as often they were in church and I had to be there, I may as well have been Samuel. I grew up in the house of the Lord. <laughs> and don't tell me that it didn't affect me. Yes, it did. Your kids need to see you making intercession. Your kids need to see you excited about Jesus. I, I, I don't understand. I got parents of teenagers and they're wondering why their kids aren't excited about Jesus. And in my head, if I were to say what I think sometimes, I'd say, well, you're not too excited about Jesus either. Come on, church. I'm calling a prayer meeting. I don't care if you have a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a six-month-old, a 10-year-old, a 14-year-old. Bring them to church. Let them be under that invisible atmosphere. Let the presence of God get on them because if it gets on them, it'll get in them. Yeah, that deserved a clap. Go on. Patty, show them. Amen. We're calling a prayer meeting this Friday night. It's a night of worship and a night of prayer. And we're going to be praying for the nations. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer for the nations. Mark, the gospel of Mark specifically says, a house of prayer for the nations. A house of prayer for the nations. Why are you supposed to pray for those in leadership if you're not going to have any influence? What is God just like little religious tokens of, oh, I, I did it. Everything about God is with intent. Everything about God is with design. Everything with God carries destiny. And so when God says a simple sentence like, pray for those in leadership, he's shouting from heaven and says, you have the power to influence. Not some weak, measly, cheap little, oh God bless the president, God save the queen. They all need saving. No, he said you pray for those in leadership because you have more power and authority than they do. You better believe it, absolutely. The queen is in for life, but she's only a figurehead. The president's only in for four years, and at best or worst, eight. I'm in for life. And I'm not a figurehead. I'm the real deal. You're the real deal. You're not a token. You're, you're the real deal. We are God's ministers on earth. Your prayer life, oh, but I'm only a baby Christian. Let me tell you, the Bible says that God has ordained that praise out of a mouth of a child will paralyze a demon. I don't have time to read the scripture and break it down in the Hebrew, trust me. I've preached it many times in the past. God has ordained that praise out of the mouth of a child has the power to paralyze a demon. What will happen when a church of believers come together and they really believe we have influence and we have authority straight to the courts of heaven and we could influence what's happening on the earth? 
You know what your vote is worth? Somebody can miscount it. Somebody could throw it away. Somebody can counter it. You know what it takes to counter your vote? One vote from another person. Jesus said there is nothing in hell or on earth that can counter the decrees of his church. Praise God. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. Come on out Friday night. We start at 7, thank you, 7 o'clock. Friday night, we're going to have some worship. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. God's already been talking to me about some of the things that I need to do. Pastor Jan, stand up. Come here. I love this lady. Pastor Tom, stand up. He's a good man. Pastor Carlos is already standing up in the sound booth. Pastor Stephen, stand up. Pastor Amy's uh, somewhere around the building working with the kids. I love these pastors. They're very faithful and loyal to God first, to me, to this church. They serve you with great passion. And I, we have hundreds of workers who do the same. But Pastor Jan, am I exaggerating when I say you had an intercession for the nations several weeks ago? I am exaggerating. Thank no, you. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not listening. Fired. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm not thinking. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't talk prior. No. That's God. Now God wants to bring in a session on the church. Amen. God has business and he needs his church to take care of his business. Amen. You know what Jesus said when he was a little boy and he was in Jerusalem and his parents were two days on their journey going home and they realized, where's our son? He said, you should have known I was about my father's business. I want you to be about your father's business. Friday night is not something I've called. I believe it's something God has called. We're gonna take up our tithes and offerings. Would you stand with me, everyone, as we get ready to close? Thank you, Izzy. Brandy, what, do you have a job? What do you do? Um, I'm in medical appeals. Okay. You're in medical appeals. Do you know that you have another job that is even more important and purposeful than medical fields? That's a very important job. But even as a young Christian, you're called to be a minister for the Lord, a priest. Priests serve God. Everyone. Either you're here for the ride, you're here for what God can give you next, or you're here for God. Put your hand over your heart. Because as Americans, we pledge allegiance to the flag. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. But I want you to pledge allegiance to be a priest. Repeat after me. Father God, you have bought me with the blood of your Son.
I was broken and I was lost. Demons feasted on me. But you, Jesus Christ, came and rescued me and set me free. And Father, somehow you've called me to be a king and to be a priest. And I pledge allegiance, loyalty, dedication, and commitment, not to just being a Christian, but to being a king and a priest on earth, in the kingdom of God, through the kingdom of God, with the kingdom of God. I pledge allegiance to serve you with all my heart. To God be the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You see, it's not my job to give you a motivational speech on Sunday so you can make it through to Saturday and drag your heels in a church. You could start taking the offering. Come on, church, let's give. And then drag your butt in a church and I need another breath of air. No, I'm not that preacher. I'm the guy who actually believes that you have as much authority in the courts of heaven as I do. And it's my job to be the coach that shows you and teaches you, who encourages you, who urges you, who sometimes pulls you into line, sometimes shakes you up, and other times makes you laugh. I hope I make you laugh. I hope I make you smile. But I want you to know, for the sake of your own house, for the sake of your own children, for the sake of your own life, for the sake of your own marriage. Come on, men. Look at me, men. I need men who will see that being a priest is a gutsy thing. It's a powerful thing. It's not a wimpy thing. Do you understand that as a pastor, yeah, you see me preaching. Do you understand that I wrestle demons on a regular basis? Do you understand that? That in the spirit world, they come to attack me and I push them back and I decree for heaven to put chains and balls of iron on them. I bind them in the name of Jesus. Don't tell me this is a whippy thing. Praying? I have influence over the destinies of people and over the destinies of nations. I need men to realize that serving Jesus Christ is gutsy, it's strong, it's powerful. Yeah. I'm praying. That's not sissy stuff. Listen, I cry easily. Mess with me. Come and mess with me and see if I'm a pushover. Yeah, I cry easily when it comes to the things of God. I have a soft heart. I'll weep before the Lord. But ask demons if I'm a pushover. Now, don't even bother talking to them. We need men to stand up and be men for God. And we need women to stand up and be women for God. 
And so I'm not looking to see if I could have 10,000 people come to hear Rob Scarallo preach. I'm looking to see if I can influence 10,000 people to be warriors in the kingdom of God, male and female, in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 He has made them to be purpose. God has made them to be. That means God has made you to be a kingdom, kingly, and a priest to have dominion, to exercise, to reign on earth. That means to have dominion, to have the power to bind and to loose. Isn't that what Jesus said? I give you the keys to bind and to loose. I've made you to be, I've made you to be, I've made you to be a kingdom, a collaboration of saved people who are royalty, who are kingly, and who are priests. And I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom so that you bind. Why? Because you can't reign on earth if you can't bind. You can't reign on earth if you can't loose. So from revelation to Jesus, we're all preaching the same thing. I don't care that you don't hear this in other churches. That's not my fault and not my responsibility. I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God. And I'm going to bring you into the whole counsel of God. The fervent, effectual prayer of a person washed in the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful. When you pray with faith, the Holy Ghost takes those words and it produces the seed that's coming out of our mouth. Let me ask you, are you a son of God? Okay. Did Jesus come to earth as the son of God? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And nothing that was created was created without Him. God had a plan. In Genesis, the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the earth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And nothing was made or created without Him. The Son of God stood up in the heavens and put the word of God in his mouth and spoke, let there be. And the spirit of God, who cannot resist the words of God, gave life to those words. Do you understand now? You're a kingdom of priests, sons of God. And when we speak the will of God, the Spirit of God starts changing the landscape. Father, I thank you for this, for this group of kingdom men and women. I pray that these sermons won't be sermons. I pray that they will be concept changers. That we will start to see ourselves as who we really are in Christ. I thank you, Father. I believe and I call men and women to rally together on Friday night. And those that are watching by live stream out of state, Father, put it on their hearts to join us in prayer. We're going to live stream the prayer meeting. 
Those of you that are watching in Australia, those of you that are watching in Africa, those of you that are watching in India, those of you that are watching in New York and other states in the United States of America, I call you to come together with us and live stream with us and pray with us because the sons of God have the power to bind and they have the power to loose. And we're going to bind some things and we're going to loose things in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, Father, I've delivered your word. Now, Holy Spirit, work in each person's heart and let there be an excellent attendance of men and women ready to do kingdom business in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, turn around, and there's half a dozen kings around you half a dozen princes and princesses and there's dozens of priests. I want you to greet each other and speak life into each other before you walk out of this building. Amen. Be a priest and minister to someone.